And I'll tell you guys since we're, since we're all friends. Every character I write has a piece of me in them. Hi, I'm Lee Bardugo. You're listening to The Grisha Cast. Welcome to GrishaCast, episode 93. In this episode, we are humbled to bring you a conversation with a best-selling author whose first published novel was Ash, and that's just where it started. This is your host, Eric. And I'm Terry from Nashville, Tennessee. This is your podcast for all things Grishaverse. A world created by Lee Bardugo, who unknowingly introduced me to this episode's very special guest. Moi savayeni, casters! Hi! Woo! <laughs> we got that in there. We did. Yeah, so let's start off by, of course, we've got some listener cities to thank. We sure do. First is a big old shout out and a hello and a we love you to Antipolo, Philippines. Woohoo! And then shalom to Lodi, California. What's up, guys? Yes. So, how are you? I am fantastic and very excited about today. Well, good. I am too. I know. This is very exciting. So, this episode, we do have a very special guest with us. Our guest is the best-selling author of the National Book Award finalist Last Night at the Telegraph Club, which was named by Oprah Magazine as one of the 50 best LGBTQ, LGBTQ books that will heat up the literary landscape in 2021. Her debut novel, Ash, a retelling of Cinderella, was a finalist for the William C. Morris YA Debut Award, the Andre Norton Award for YA Science Fiction and Fantasy, and the Mythopoic Fantasy Award. She has been a three-time finalist for the Lambda Literary Award, and this is just the short version of this bio. We are honored to introduce you to our very special guest, Melinda Lowe. Hi. Hi. Uh, Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here with us. Yes. And sorry for like my little slip ups in your bio. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) No one can pronounce that one award. I I don't even know how to pronounce it. So... I, I shouldn't put it in there, but it's because it, it, it confuses everyone. Mythopoeic, right? <laughs> Maybe that's it. It might be. I think it's mythopoeic. I stumble over any words all the time on this <laughs> podcast. Like, seriously, if you, if you ever have the time, you want to go back. I really seriously stumble over any anything. So um, <laughs> anyways, we are so honored and glad that you decided to do this with us. We um, yeah, we're so excited to introduce you to our audience and um. So to start off, we are Grisha cast. So, oh yeah, what are you familiar with in regards to the Grisha verse and Lee Bardugo? Well, I'm familiar with Lee as an absolutely wonderful person who <laughs> has been an incredible supporter of my book Ash, and is just fabulous in general. Obviously, um, I I have watched. Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Obviously, I watched it all. We, my wife and I watched it like in a week. It was, <laughs> we're, we were very sad when it was over. And I'm so happy there will be a season two. And also, I have read Lee's other books. I've read Ninth House and um, her Wonder Woman uh, novel, which they were both so fun. I love them. That's awesome. I haven't read Wonder Woman, but Ninth House I have, which is incredible. 
Um, but we haven't covered that on the show, and Terry hasn't read it yet. We haven't gotten there yet. So, oh, I won't. I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> Thank but you. It's so good. It's it, so good. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's incredible. My husband even read it in like a night, and like he doesn't read YA or well, that's not it's an adult book, but he doesn't read fantasy. So that shows you. Doesn't read fantasy. I know. Well. We'll have to have a conversation <laughs> later about him. He's it's not really that he doesn't read fantasy. He just doesn't read because he has this addiction where like literally if he starts a book, he can't put it down until he finishes it. And like I'm not kidding, like the house could be burning down around him and he will still be reading the book. Um there are many there are the couple times that I've woken up, I went to bed, he was reading, and woke up the next morning, he was still reading and finished it. So oh, sometimes I have that same problem. To be honest, <laughs> I do too, but I don't see it as like a problem. He does. <laughs> so, like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, Shadow and Bone, the show, yeah, it was incredible. We were so excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. That was just a really cool thing. Um, did, did you have any favorite characters that you liked? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this, and I, you know, who I really liked? I liked Inej a lot. I really wanted to find out more about her. And I also really liked Nina. That's that like storyline with her on the boat. That was a, that was great. I it was like I loved the banter, and she was also just a, a wonderful character. So I'm I'm really excited to to see more of them. And honestly, I have to say, like I think I never read the books because there were just a lot of them, and yeah. there's like it's like a commitment, right? You're like because I knew when I started reading them, I then have like a whole bunch to read. And so I never um, started to read it. But the series really made me think I should read them because I just want to know more about the world and the characters. And it's just so interesting. And Lee's a wonderful writer. And I, I, I already love her work. So, you know, seems yeah. like a natural next step. <laughs> yeah. she. Uh, well, that is it's an awesome show because they combined it to like different huge story points. Like That's the, what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, and the characters that you loved, those were like Inej, that was all new for us. So as oh. in the books, this was like the show showed her prequel. So like that was all I new. See. Yeah, so we haven't even gotten into the stuff that we know about Inej. She's so cool. So and so is Wow, Nina. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Nina's my girl. It is, yeah. So <laughs> we all have some favorites over here. Yeah. <laughs> we love it. I'm sure. So um Okay, yeah. What inspired you to remake a fairy tale? Oh, you know what? You guys are going to laugh. So (laughs) this is, Ash was my first novel. Well, my first, it was my first novel that I wrote as an adult. And I thought, you know, I'll just retell a fairy tale because then I know what happens. So I won't get any, I won't get stuck, right? I'll just keep, I know the story. And that was the most hilarious moment of writer's ignorance I've ever experienced because I did not know what was going to happen. Like, you know, the fairy tale Cinderella and Cinderella was really my favorite fairy tale growing up. So I just really wanted to write the book I wanted to read. And I thought I knew the story, but when I retold it, um, I, the first draft uh, I guess I'm just going into this whole story now. That's fine. The, the first the first draft, I changed the fairy godmother to a male fairy, kind of like an evil kind of fairy. 
you know, and well, he's not really evil. He's just, he's a fairy yeah. who, who has, you know, he, they, they are like mischievous creatures who are not human. Um, so I thought that was my change, you know, and Cinderella still fell in love with the prince and they got together at the end and that was that. And then I sent that draft to a good friend of mine to read and she read it. <laughs> she sent me these comments back and she was like, you know, Ash, the main character's name was Ash. She was like, Ash doesn't really have very much chemistry with the prince. She really seems to like this other character. And the other character was a woman. And I was just stunned because I was like, are you serious? So I, I didn't realize I had written in this like lesbian subtext. So I had to reread it. And my friend was totally right. So I had to then decide, am I going to make this a lesbian Cinderella? Because I had never heard of that before. Like I had never read a book like that before. This was back in like 2005, 2006. And, but the more I thought about it, you know, Ash really did like this other character who was a woman. Like I had totally written that into the book and I did not realize what I was doing. So then I, I changed it. I rewrote the whole thing to turn it into a lesbian Cinderella. So clearly I had no idea what was going to happen, even though I was like, oh, I know the story. It'll be fine. No, I did not know. <laughs> we are so glad you did. Yes. <laughs> like It's incredible. It really is. I love um, reading, fair, like retelling of fairy tales. Like that is one of my favorite things. Sleeping Beauty is my personal favorite fairy tale. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, Alex Harrow just wrote a retelling of that one, which is very interesting. Oh, right. And she it, wrote The 10,000 Doors of January, right? Yes. And then she yeah, does, I love that book. not to give anything away, but a lesbian version of Sleeping Beauty. That's all good. It's, I think that we should have many lesbian versions of Fairy Tale. Absolutely. To be honest. All of them. Oh. <laughs> that's good, too. All of them is fine. Yes. So I have a question about the character's name that I became obsessed with halfway through the book. And then I had to stop like myself because I just kept I was obsessed with um, knowing if the name Ash had anything to do with being a take on Cinderella. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It did. Because I, you know, Cinderella is named Cinderella because she sits in the cinders of the kitchen fire. So. Ashes and cinders are technically different. I'm not really sure how. I I know that they're different, but I can't remember why anymore. <laughs> but Ash seemed like a very um, a, a good name for Cinderella because it does reference the cinders, and um, it's also a good nickname for her because her full name is Ashley. So it seemed to work. Well, I I thought it was so smart. <laughs> I, I'm one of those, I'm a dork with names anyway. And I just, I was like, oh my goodness, wait a minute, Ash and Cinderella. So I, I was, I'm in love with that. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I had no clue until you just started saying that. I was like, oh my God, how did I miss that? Like I read the book and gave it to her. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I can't believe I totally missed that. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you. But you always do that. You always do help me see things anyways. Well, <laughs> Cool. <laughs> okay, so another thing that I've noticed. So I um I've read Ash. I have not finished Huntress. Um I'm I love it, but like I just I haven't finished it. 
one thing that I have noticed, like I'm a, I love fairy lore and like love it. Like um, have so many books just on like fairies and grew up like looking at the Brian Froud like books. I've noticed mm-hmm. that like you really actually do know your fairy lore stuff. Um, <laughs> just because it surprised me. A lot of people don't like mm-hmm. just some of the references you have are like right on. So I was just wondering, like, I mean, do you, do you love fairy lore as well? Or did you just kind of like look some of that? Like you did just an incredible job with some of the parts of it. Like it's, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, um, when I was writing Ash, I it was right after I, um, dropped out of grad school I was going to be an anthropologist. So I was very interested in folklore in general already. So I did a bunch of research into fairy folklore when I wrote Ash. And that's why the fairies in the book are based, they're very much based on um, Irish and English fairy folklore. So I've, I've definitely read the orig- many of the original oral, oral tradition fairy tales and the... Um, read some of the works by Catherine Briggs, who did a lot of research into fairy folklore. Yes. Uh, like a lot in the early 20th century, I think. And she was a folklorist. So um, that's where the fairies come from in my, in my books. I really just borrowed from real, real myth. You know what I mean? That's incredible. Um, I actually have been trying to find the Catherine Briggs novel and you can't like, I mean, I, I found a small, like, version where it's got a couple essays and then somebody had it on sale for a couple hundred dollars um but mm-hmm. i ha- i yeah it's hard to find some of that stuff but that's so cool yeah i love yeah. fairies so yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna circle back around if sure if i had had novels like ash when i was younger um i would have felt much less confused and much less alone um, so how has the response been in the queer community for you? Cause I imagine it's very positive. Yeah, it was really a wonderful experience to have Ash published. I have to say it, it did feel a bit like a fairy tale, honestly. I mean, when it came out, it was one of the very few, um, young adult books being published with, um, LGBT characters in it at the time. Like there are so many more now. And but only back in 2009, it was a much smaller number of books. And Ash was one of the very first fantasy novels with queer characters in them. So what was unique about Ash at the time was there was no coming out story because being queer was normal in Ash's world. So she didn't have to come out. Right. It was just normal. You just fall in love with who you fall in love with. And that was fine. And I really did that deliberately because I wanted this to be a fairy tale, you know, like when you read a fairy tale, there's not suddenly like a coming out story in the middle of it. So uh, for her to have the fairy tale, it just meant that it had to be totally normal for her to fall in love with a woman and everyone had to envy her for having that opportunity really. So that's the way it went. And I, I definitely have appreciated the feedback I've gotten from readers over the years. I have, I've had a couple of readers write to me and say that they met their partner while reading the book together as friends and they like fell in love while reading the book. And then at least one or two of them have gotten married. I'm just, it's been so touching to me because that's certainly something I never imagined would happen. 
That's incredible. You've changed people's lives. <laughs> and you're yeah, right. And the, like, book I mean, has. the book has changed people's <laughs> lives. I don't know about me in particular. The book wouldn't be I'm here so without you. Well, I know, I... <laughs> but it's, it becomes its own thing, you know? Once it's out of my head, it becomes it takes on its own life in a way. Were you nervous at all about when it was like, like at like when you found out it was being published? Like, were you nervous about what might happen? Because I mean, you're right. Like, there wasn't queer books out there. Like, and like that's a huge thing. And like, we we're Grisha we're a Grisha cast, but we also are very proud that we're a queer podcast as well. So that means a lot to us. Were you nervous at all when that like? right before it came out? No, I don't think I was nervous about that because I had been working at, um, I, I had been working at After Ellen before that. That's different now. But back then it was a, a website that was kind of like an entertainment weekly for lesbians and bisexual women. So we had, it was a huge website at the time. And I knew that there were millions, millions of us out there, you know, who wanted to read books like this. And I thought there is an audience for this book, even if the mainstream doesn't believe that we exist. I knew there was one because in my day job, I interacted with our readers every day. And, you know, so that gave me a lot of confidence, I think, to put the book to, to get the book out there. And I wasn't really nervous about any sort of, homophobic pushback or anything it's it's weird I didn't get any either I, I I never did I think maybe one library considered removing it from the YA section but it, I don't know that they succeeded in that the funny thing is now in 2021 there's much more book banning and censorship going on with LGBT books right now I yeah. think than there was in 2009 yeah, well, we're all out there now, and we're now trying to like make ourselves like it, it is known more. And yeah, wow. Well, thank you for, I mean, breaking through that glass, and like you definitely <laughs> helped like that, and like I think it's incredible. So thank you for thank having you. the courage to do that. Oh, thank you. And speaking of after Ellen, um, I read that you did actually cover like gay issues a lot. What sort of issues did you write about during that time? Well, after Ellen was an entertainment website, so I became a, t I was a TV critic in a way. Like I didn't really know, that was not something I ever thought I would do, but I um, joined the Television Critics Association and I would, I went to LA to do these press tours where we would tour this, the sets of various TV shows and interview the producers and actors and stuff. Um, it was a really strange and exciting job <laughs> you know I was writing for after Ellen and during the original L word on Showtime so I did a lot of writing about the L word <laughs> <laughs> I got so tired of that show it was there a big was a deal at the time <laughs> it was huge because there really wasn't much tv about lesbians there still isn't but there's so much more now than there was back then it's kind of incredible how it has grown even though i there can always be more i feel like there could always be more agreed yes <laughs> and going back to being an anthropology student and a world builder yourself what other make-believe worlds do you love or want to visit um kind of outside the fairy tale world like you know other fandoms or anything like that 
Um, you know, this is so funny because one of my favorite authors is Holly Black, who writes oh my so many amazing fantasy novels about fairies, right? Mm-hmm. But I do not want to visit the Holly Black fairy world. <laughs> I do not want to visit those worlds. It's dangerous they are there. Deadly worlds of danger. Yes, I do. I don't want to visit them. That's not the first time um, that's come up. <laughs> Lee said we'd travel there together. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i love her books i don't want to visit them um where you know where i would love to go well th- this is kind of cheating because now you can kind of go there but i would you know star wars i uh, love i loved visiting i went to the i went to the galaxy's edge this was my last trip before the pandemic we went there in february 2020 wow. <laughs> at um oh. at universal in florida it was amazing to see, I mean, you got to fly the Millennium Falcon. You get to go on a what are on what are those those? Oh my God, I have no words now. The, sh- the spaceships. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no clue what they're called. There's either. a ride. Yeah, it's it was so much fun. It's just it's incredible to see something that you've only imagined or seen, you know, in a movie, and then walk through it. That's incredible. Wow, I'm totally jealous. I haven't seen that yet. Have you watched The Mandalorian at all? Oh, yes. Okay, I have good. watched The Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. Enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so. so if it weren't enough to write a lesbian fairy tale, you now wrote about Chinese-American lesbianism and late night at the Telegraph Club, which, by the way, is totally in my to-read pile. Um, and you even wrote about specific Asian-American lesbians in your blog. Representation is definitely important to you. How can we as a collective society safely have these discussions to bring more queer people of color to the forefront? Oh, I think, you know, we what we can start by reading. You know, there are so many more books out now um, with marginalized characters in them or people who have traditionally been marginalized who are now coming and to the front, to the front, you know? And so I think that a great place to start is with books. Cause I know that if people are not familiar with certain cultures or communities, it can feel, um, it can feel overwhelming to just, to, you don't even know where to start, you know, if you're not familiar with those cultures or communities. And I think reading is a great place to start because you can do that on your own and learn so much um, from reading novels. And so Last Night at the Telegraph Club is um, very different from my other books, although in a way it is still fantasy because it's set in the 1950s. And so I had to really build the world of the 1950s for the reader in that book. And I used many of the exact same world building techniques that I used to write fantasy to flesh out the world of San Francisco in 1954. So I think that, you know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, if you think about fiction, all fiction is fantasy. There are certain ways that different genres approach that. And historical fiction really, I think, does have a lot of crossover with fantastical fantasy, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with the uh, the books and reading being very important. I, um, you know, there's a quote about, in the end, we will only love what we know and know what we understand. And I think... Um, you know, reading about these things and actually getting to know 
um, about these issues, that's the only way to truly, you know, feel something positive towards them. So I completely agree with you. You know, I never really thought that, like, I just think, like, when I was, like, coming out and at that age, like, because, I mean, that was, like, long time ago, like, I mean, that was in the 90s and, like, I I don't think I would ever have thought that we would be reading books about and especially YA books with LGBT characters in them. And, like, I just realized, like, I mean, how amazing, how far we actually have come um, when I really thought we were going nowhere. Um, anyways. Yeah, there's been an explosion just in the last, like, four year, four to five years within YA. There's been so many, yeah. so many more books. Aiden Thomas, he, uh, that, mm-hmm. have you read Cemetery Boys? I have, Yeah. <sighs> incredible <laughs> so good so while i was asking you about that what are some books that you read as a youth that helped shape you to be the author that you are today oh well it, when i was um a teen the fantasy novels that i loved the most were written by robin mckinley i don't know if anyone reads her today but she was writing in the 80s she did a lot of fairy tale retellings. One of she did two retellings of Beauty and the Beast. Um, she did one of um, Sleeping Beauty, and um, one called Deerskin, which is a kind of Cinderella, but not the Cinderella you're familiar with. But she never retold Cinderella, you know, straight up Cinderella. So that's one of the reasons I decided to retell it because I was like, well, Robin McKinley is never going to do this, so I guess I'm going to have to do it. And so she was certainly a huge influence on me. She also wrote these wonderful fantasy novels about um, girls who save their world. You know, um, The Hero and the Crown is one of my favorite books of hers. It's about a dragon slayer. And she's she was a really influential author for me. Um, I also read a lot of Madeline Langle. Everyone knows she wrote A Wrinkle in Time, but I think my favorite Madeline Langle books were about this girl named Vicki Austin, who was just an aspiring writer. She was a normal girl. There was a whole series of books about her. And I obviously identified a lot with Vicki. And so I, I loved those books. Those were so, so wonderful. And you know what? I still reread them today like in the middle of the night if I have insomnia I just pull it up on my phone and read it like at two in the morning it makes me feel so like comfortable comforted you know and that I can go back to sleep (laughs) I get it yeah there definitely are those books that I mean just will I will continue rereading forever Mm -hmm. so um oh so what are you (laughs) what are you reading currently currently well I just finished reading all of the well three of the other four national book award finalists so last night at the telegraph club is a finalist for the national book award which is amazing That's shocking awesome. to me um there are five of us in this category and so i've read th- i just read three of them the fourth one unfortunately is not available yet because of those shipping delays that are plaguing all of everything mm-hmm. that's being sold um so i read um kyle lukoff's too Bright to See, which is a wonderful middle grade novel about a trans kid um, combined with like a spooky ghost story. It's so wonderful and sweet. And I just, I loved it. 
Um, and I read um, Amber McBride's novel in verse called Me Moth, which is beautiful and evocative and has a stunning ending that I will not spoil. And um, I also, what was the other one? Oh my gosh. That was the first one. Oh, The Legend of Auntie Poe by Xing Yin Kor, which is a graphic novel about a queer Chinese American girl in Aww. the 1800s who works at a logging camp. And um, what I find is incredible is Xing's book and mine are both about queer Chinese American girls. And I think that until this year, there have probably been no books about queer Chinese American girls published in YA. And then this year there are two. <laughs> and we're both National Book Award finalists, which is amazing. It's a beautiful book. If you like graphic novels, it's it's a it's a really wonderful piece of art to look at too. That's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look yeah, at that. They're fun. So we're done with all the serious questions. If those were serious, <laughs> if that's what we want to say. So um, we've reached this fun little part that um, they're just random get to know you questions that I found that I think would be fun for us all to answer. <laughs> so we're just going to kind of play yeah. a game here. It's like a slumber party. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Okay. So um, – and I did not come up with any of these. I've tried not to read them all. Like there's only a couple. Um, okay. What activity kept you sane while the world was in lockdown? Um, reading for me. Driving around. You drove? Yes. Oh, good. Got in the car and drove around. How about you, Melinda? I have to say it was reading as well. Reading mystery novels. Just constant murder happening (laughs) in my imagination. (laughs) Yeah, because we kind of wanted to do that to the world. (laughs) Yeah, there was that. If you could invent a new dish, what ingredients would it have? Okay, so mine would have cheese, melted cheese. I love cheese. Um, and see, now I'm getting off onto like, oh, well, that'd be like my entree. And then I want to think oh about boy. dessert, but I'm not going to do that for two years. Ingredients. Um, yeah. Cheese and some nice spices. It's got to be melted <laughs> cheese. Yeah, melted cheese. Um, there you go. Cheese and spices all melted like the top of a pizza, but mm. without the the crust. All I can think of is like tacos. Like all I want is like, you know, a whole bunch of cilantro and salsa and sour cream. Tacos. Oh, yeah, tacos. Yeah. All I can think about is ice cream. And I don't really know what I would put it put that in. I just kind of just want to eat it. What's your favorite type of ice cream? Oh, oh, I have so many different flavors that I love. You know, I love ice cream. Um, salted caramel, always a favorite of mine. I also really enjoy good coffee ice cream. Um, yeah. Our producers I probably put those to together. Like pass out. Yeah, the producer is <laughs> wooing back there. <laughs> and you I know like- what is good? I tried this over the summer. Coffee ice cream sprinkled with bacon. Interesting. <laughs> I know. It sounds weird. But Chris is losing his mind. I know, and I can't hear what he's saying, <laughs> but I just hear noises in the other room. He's um, now made him hungry. Yeah. Well, okay. So, 
If you could completely get rid of one month out of the year, which month would it be and why? Crap, I put myself first too. Um, Okay. I hate – ooh. Is it August or September that's the hottest here? August. Okay. Oh, but there's some really important things in August. Okay, well, I'd get rid of August and move my important things over to – yeah, the winter, because that's what I like. And, um, yeah, I'm moving it because I absolutely despise sweating and heat, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's a problem. I'm going to say January because December is so fun, and then all the lights go away, and then January is just dark and cold and stupid. It's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. I don't like it. See, I was I thought about January, but I have settled on March because oh. in Massachusetts, oh. by the time you get to March, it's like it's not winter is not over yet and spring has not started. And it's just like you're so tired of the winter. Like just skip to April. That would be better. So is it I like get rid of March? Is it like New York there where it's like it's the weird where everything is just kind of like slushy and weird? And brown. It's it's definitely brown. Yeah, uh, it's not so. It depends on how cold it is, whether it's slushy or not. Because it could just be like brown piles of ice, mm-hmm. which, yeah. is, which is not fun. So, yeah, it's not cute. I lived in Minneapolis for a while, and I remember the exact same thing. Like it, that's the month where it just like the white is. It's no more, no longer white. It's just like looks dirty ice everywhere. And yeah, you're right. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, what's the funniest place you've ever fallen asleep? Funniest? Huh. I fall asleep at a lot of places. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess this isn't really counting dozing off. I mean, there, hasn't everybody dozed off a little bit at work? No. Hmm. See, I don't have an answer to this because I'm such a light sleeper that I just I can't fall asleep unless the conditions are just right. So um, I don't have an answer. Well, I mean, I, I I fell asleep in one weird place once. I went to the Metropolitan Opera, and we had seats way like nosebleed seats way far up. I fell asleep at the opera, <laughs> but I was in the. No one saw me. I don't think it was dark. We were in the way back. I could get it. It's kind of like going to the symphony. Sometimes I feel like I could like yeah. Like it's just too relaxing. I it's mean, very relaxing. It's dark and there's music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They've started changing the movie theaters now with like the crazy seats that like lay back and like it's now just like I mean that's just yeah, a setup for me to fall asleep now. You fell asleep at Downton Abbey. I know. If we go to my theater, which has the crazy, crazy, awesome seats, I fall asleep at everything. <laughs> but I mean, they set it up like that. I need to be sitting up. I should, but I mean. That's my fault. I shouldn't. Anyways. Okay. Um, did your parents have alternative al- uh, alternative name options that they were considering when naming you? What were they? Yes. It's embarrassing. Um, so I'm Eric. But my up until like I guess almost the last hour before I was born, my mother for – had been convinced she was going to name me Elvis. Thank God my father stepped in and said, no, you're not doing that to our son. So 
Oh, you'd be super gay boy with the name of Elvis. Elvis would be horrible. <laughs> it would have been. He would have grown into it. You, yeah. you people people grow into their names. Yes. Yeah, but okay. I would have been Elvis Ginsburg. <laughs> it didn't really flow. It would have been all right. <laughs> well, memorable. It, true. Yes. So my parents were huge fans of um, uh, whatever that big southern. I can't think. It's gone with the wind. Wow, my brain just went floop. Um, so I was almost named Tara after a freaking house. Um, and then my mom's side of the family, uh, last name is Perry. And so they kind of went back and forth of like, Tara, Perry, Tara, Perry. So they like mixed the two and named me Terry, but they gave me the man spelling of it. So when you're talking about growing into your name, I think that had a lot to do with my personality (laughs) because I was called Mr. All the time. And, um, now that I'm this age, I'm like, yes, please call me Mr. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Scarlet. When you're talking about Gone with the Wind. I would have much preferred to be called Scarlet. Sometimes I wish I had a more poetic name instead of a very, like, manly name. But now, again, like, I'm like I'm older. I'm like, yeah, dang right. Perry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, was born in China, and I don't think my parents had a different name for me because um, Chinese names are very unique. So I had I had a Chinese name. But then we came to America. I was, like three and a half years old um, and no one could pronounce that name. So when I went to first grade, I chose an English name, Melinda. And I will tell you that I picked my own name, (laughs) Melinda. And I almost named myself Mary Ann. Thank God I did not name myself Mary Ann. I think it's because I was obsessed with Gilligan's Island (laughs) at the time. And luckily I believe my, I think my mother told me that my grandmother convinced me that Melinda would be better. <laughs> wow. That's cool to be able to pick it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I, we adopted our son this past year. And when we were talking about the name, like his last name, what he wanted to do, like, I mean, we were like, here's your options. Because, I mean, my husband and I both still have our same last name. So, I mean, we didn't. Ch- and um, I'm just saying this because it was really funny. We gave him the options, and then I walk into the living room, and he's asking Echo, like, what is the Japanese saying for wind? And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, the name. I was like, no, 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 no. Not like anything. Like, you have to pick one of these. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways. He was going to appropriate his name. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, If your hometown was a food, what food would it be? Okay. <laughs> okay, wait. Hometown, so not where I live now. Okay, Bellevue, Nashville. Yeah, um, we grew up really close to. We did. We grew up like I mean, <laughs> I was in one subdivision. She was next door, but we didn't hang oh. out. Then. Yeah, but it's Nashville, so it'd have to be like you know, country fried chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grits. <laughs> grits. Cheese grits. Um. Or like biscuits, yeah. But I grew up in a loveless Jewish- cafe was right there, so it has to be biscuits, yeah. But I grew up in a Jewish mm. household, so we had like lots of like weird Jewish food. But that Jewish but I know, is in a hometown. I'm, I know. I just it, you know my mind it spawns off into that. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> I I grew up in a in a coal mining town in Colorado uh, called Louisville, 
and it was it was founded by Italian coal miners. So I think the food would have to be spaghetti and meatballs because there was there were all these Italian restaurants and in the town and a lot of spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> Is that something you steer clear of now? <laughs> No, I mean, I, no, definitely no. But that's what I think of when I think of the food of my hometown. Because yeah. there were so many Italian restaurants. It's it's changed a lot since then. And now there, so there's only one surviving Italian restaurant from that oh. time, I think. Yeah. Wow. Oh. My, my son would love to live there. That's, that's what he <laughs> loves to eat. Okay, so here... It's a it, good dish. It is, actually. And it's very, like, I mean, you can change it up a lot, to be honest. Um. Here's our last question. What's the worst fashion or hair decision you've made? Okay. Um, oh. I just think for a second. I mean, there are a lot of bad fashion hair choices. I don't regret any of them. I mean, I remember there was one time that I was like – I was playing around with my hair in class and I wasn't really understanding. Like I wasn't looking in a mirror. And for some reason, like at that time, I was like, did you ever like see actors on TV or actresses on TV and be like, they look gorgeous and they styled their hair a certain way. And you believe I did, at least I believe that if I styled my hair that exact same way, somehow I would look fantastic like that. Um Anyways, I did that. Like I, I, like I had longer hair, but I split it down the middle because I think I could, can't remember what actor. Oh, it's Ryan Felipe. He had his hair in this really, and he looked so cute. And I tried to do it, and when I went and like actually looked in the mirror, I was just like, I look like alfalfa. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, and I had wa- I had been sitting in class thinking I was so hot and stuff, and I'm sure you were. Anyways, no, I don't have any. I I can't think of one. Like I've I've always kind of been the same. Well yeah, you, you choose, you're bossy, you you were, rule this world. So <laughs> you don't make bad decisions. That's right. <laughs> I do what I want. I do. You do. Well, my first year in college, um I decided to cut all my hair off and get like a butch haircut. But I only could go to like supercuts. Oh so they it was terrible. It was the most awful haircut. And it grew out so badly. Like, they didn't know how to cut. Like, most hairstylists do not know how to cut women's hair short. No. And so that was bad enough. <laughs> but also, I'm I'm Asian. So my hair was so straight. It would, like, stick out where, <laughs> where they cut it too short. It was terrible. It was, but I don't really regret it necessarily, but it was just like a very bad haircut that grew out really badly oh. <laughs> for a long time. That's horrible. Oh. I, I think we all go through the, what would I look like with a butch haircut face? <laughs> but you actually yes. fell, followed through. I did it. I, I did it. And then I never did it again. <laughs> Thank God your hair grows back. I've all, the closest I've ever gotten is just shaving, you know, doing... The half shave thing. I've never. Oh, the side. I've never gone full butch. <laughs> yeah. There's well, still time if there, you wish. There is exactly. still time. Yeah. <laughs> My son thought it'd be funny and he shaved off his eyebrows when we grounded him at one point. He thought he'd get ungrounded by like shaving his eyebrows off because he thought he'd be funny. And I was just horrified. Have they grown back? They did. Yeah. But I was just like. Oh, okay. 
that rationale of thinking. Sometimes those don't grow back. You yeah, know? he's lucky they they did. I mean, anyway. <laughs> but I would have never done that. But well, that's our last question. That was fun. That was our, yeah. That was our last question. Yeah. As for the for getting to section. know you um, questions, as we're winding down, um, tell us about your new novel, Scatter of Light. Yeah, so a scatter of light is coming out in a year, basically fall twenty twenty two. That next year, hopefully, and I think. It, yeah, um, it's a it's it's set in twenty thirteen, and so it's not really historical. It's not really now, but it's set in twenty thirteen, and it is a companion novel to Last Night at the Telegraph Club. So they're very different books, but you will, um, but they are connected. So readers will find a connection. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. And it's it's about um coming of age and falling in love and um desire and art and this one girl's relationship with her grandmother. It's a it's kind of an interesting book. I mean I hope people will like it. <laughs> it's very different from my other books. I never do the same thing twice, which is it is very bad for marketing. <laughs> But it's fun for me as a person. Yeah, it's good for you. And that's the important part. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any projects going on after that? Like what's the next big idea? Oh, I can't tell you about that. (laughs) It's like secret. It's It's not fully fleshed out yet. You know, like I feel like when you're coming up with a new book idea, it's best to like keep it in your head until it is much more formed. But I do have a number of new book ideas. And and one is coming to the forefront that I will pursue next. Okay. Well, if you're ever taking recommendations, I would love a retelling of some fairy tales. So um, if you're ever, just think. I mean, just letting you know. I will keep that in mind. Thanks. (laughs) That's always his recommendation for everyone. And um, you can dedicate it to Eric, and that's fine. Um, no. All right, Eric. Eric with a C. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it's C. Never K. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, <laughs> Never K. Aww. Never. Okay. Well, everybody asked me that throughout my entire life. Like, C or a K. And, like, when I was younger, I used to get, like, so upset by it for some reason. I don't know. Like, because I didn't even know anybody with Eric with a K. So I think that's why it upset me. I was like, nobody spells their name with a K. And then I got older and met a lot of people, but. Because everyone thinks you're extra, so. (laughs) I am extra. But we love me. I love me. I got to figure it out somehow. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you guys. Yes, we had so much fun. It's sad that it's over. I know. Well, I'm going to continue and finish reading Huntress. I know that I already love it so much. And, um... Yeah, good luck with all your new adventures. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Well, that was so awesome. Yes, that was so fun. She was so cool. I um, That was some really good stuff. I was so excited to find out all that information. So all you out there, if you are interested in finding out more about Melinda Lowe or like finding her on socials, she is at Melinda Lowe on all social media platforms. We definitely recommend uh, her books. Ash is a great one to start off with. And um, yeah, so 
Anyways, that's the end of our show. Next week, we are finally coming back to reading. So, what book are we doing? Yep, that's right. Just making sure you remember. <laughs> Rule of Wolves. Okay, so we will be covering chapters 29 through 31 next week of Rule of Wolves. Okay, we'll see you guys later. Bye! Bye. Long live the Grishaverse! Like, we're at the end of the hour, so my voice is a little husky. It was. No mourners. No funeral. This has been GrishaCast. Connect with us on the web at GrishaCast.com. Send an email to info at GrishaCast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok at GrishaCast. And thank you so much for our staff, Chris, Alex, Sid, and Michelle. 